good afternoon or good evening and welcome. Oh, I got to go. Wait, I got to wait. I forgot. Hold on. Be right back. Guard. What's weird is I don't even have video on my side, so I don't even know if we're live and I'm just sitting here blankly staring at a <laughs> nothing. I'm back. I'm back. For Spike, Lil Nozzle Tov X, Ooh. I am at right, and together we are traversing the muddy waters of freedom. I like that. I like Lil Nozzle Tov. Lil, is it? Yeah, it's not, I know nothing about this and uh, about Lil, Lil Nozzle Tov X, technically. Okay. Uh, I just know that he, because there's that meme going around with you and the, and the cowboy hat. And it's like, yes. what country singer is this? And that is the only correct answer. Oh, yeah. Let me get that picture. Um, so, folks, thanks again for tuning in to the Muddy Waters of Freedom with myself and Matt Wright. Thank you so much. We hope you're having a great evening. If you are not already, be sure to, however you are watching or listening to this right now, be sure to go and subscribe to that thing. Follow that thing. Join us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, on everything. Join us all over the place, all over the internet, and especially on Twitter. Be sure to subscribe to our Twitter and hit the bell. Because the last thing that we want is for you and your closest loved ones to miss out on a hour plus libertarian podcast on well usually it's tuesday night but right now it's thursday so give the gift of muddy waters today kids love it kids love it love it let me know when i'm gonna be able to see things because this is weird um can you not see oh no oh that's right that's right that's right (laughs) This is this is like this is like there we go there we go days when it was just video, you can see now right? It was just audio, yeah. All right, uh, cool, cool, cool. All right. So, um, first and foremost, allow me to thank Casey Nether Carbonella for the cava that I'm drinking on this show, handmade by me from the fine people at knockemallathome.com. And allow me to thank Kroger. For this delicious purified drinking water. Oh, how I miss you. Actually, we had Kroger water sometimes on the bus. We had Kroger water at some point. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the fine folks at the Libertarian Dad Bod Calendar featuring some of the sexiest libertarian men you have ever looked at, including this sexy beast and his four friends. Right here, uh, that's Mr. April, Spike Cohen. Uh, be sure to, what's that? His four closest his friends. His four closest friends. Uh, right there, all hanging out together. Some of them faded. Uh, be sure to go to libertariandadbod.com to get yours today. It's only $12 ship or for uh, $30, including shipping. You can have it signed by me, Spike Cohen, right there next to my, my shoulder there. On the bottom right. This episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing waffle related caucus in the history of politics, not just the Libertarian Party, but in politics ever. This episode is also brought to you by Black Coffee, spelled B L V C K, because what the hell? Why not? It's 2020. We spell things. Who even cares anymore? Black organic coffee, delicious organic cold brewed coffee. Straight from the hills of black, spelled with a 
Go to blackbrews.com, B-L-V-C-K-Brews.com uh, to get your package, I guess, of Black Brews coffee. Uh, and use checkout code MW for free shipping. And Matt himself, right here, Matt Wright, can tell you that that coffee is gosh darn delicious. Matt? That, that coffee is some of the best cold brew coffee I have ever had in my life. That is very delicious, highly caffeinated, very, very good. Very good. It's some of the best coffee, just the best, best coffee, coffee. Best, best coffee. coffee. Some of the best coffee. The guys at Black Brews, they know what they're doing. They know coffee. Um, this, but seriously, it's, it is some of the best coffee I have had, uh, cold brew coffee I have ever had. MW for free shipping. This episode is also brought to you by the Jorgensen Cohen campaign. George Jorgensen and I are fighting to set America free, and we hope you join us today at joe20.com. And of course, this episode, as always, is brought to you by this bitch, Henry McMaster, who is a bitch. Look at him. Look at that bitch. He only brings you, just so everybody knows, he only brings you the shows that spike streams because being in Florida, that guy does not have... Look at that bitch. Look at this bitch. Henry McMaster's (laughs) bitch. Thank you. He does not have any reign over my life. He's a bitch. Look at him. He's still a bitch. Anyway, so thank you guys for tuning in. Matt, today was a little bit easier for you, I'm told, because... I'm the one streaming now. Again. You are the one streaming. I, and, you know, this is what I have learned from the last few weeks of uh, streaming the show and producing it, because it's been a while since I've had to do it. Mm. Stop giving you so many goddamn overlays. Because, oh, my God. <laughs> I actually so, don't mind the overlay. It's not the overlays. It's when stuff doesn't work. For example, when YouTube decided they wanted to change everything today. Right. No, I get that. I get that. I understand that. And so it's been, what, a week and a half since our last show? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, a week and two days, right? Um, yeah, week and two days. So since then, what I discovered, well, I had my one-year anniversary with my with superfan Sarah Andrick on September 4th. And uh, when I looked back through the memories on Facebook on that day, mm-hmm. that is the same day that you joined the show two years ago. So there is something about September 4th in me bringing God's chosen people into my life. <laughs> every day is, every September 4th is National Accepted You Into Your Life Day. <laughs> right. So next September 4th, you're going to become a born-again Christian. <laughs> Thereby accepting, that will be the triumvirate of, of Jews in your life, is <laughs> Next, Sarah, <laughs> me, and Jesus. Man, I was going to say, Sarah, you, and then I accidentally knock her up in December or whatever. And then... That would be another example. Right, that would be another example. So you either have to get her pregnant or accept Christ into your life right. by September 4th. Actually, on September 4th. On September 4th, right. So you've got some decisions to make. Quickly. And I'm happy for you on that. So, <laughs> folks, we got a great episode for you. Um, and, uh, oh, also, 
this hat. You may have noticed I am wearing a hat that, in fact, has my name on it. You might be thinking, wow, I want that. It's arrogant. But so anyway, if (laughs) if you did want that, if you did, I'm not saying you had to, but if you did, if you go to the muddywatersmedia.com and click on store, and uh, it's on there, and we are going to be auctioning this particular hat off because it's signed by guy on left, uh, and it's signed by guy on right, Spike Cohen. Uh, it says there, you are the power, because you are. Mm-hmm. I'm Spike Cohen, you are the power. And yep. it also has a little Easter egg here. If you are one of those edgy kids who likes to wear your hat on backwards, but you're like, but I can't wear this hat backwards because it doesn't have say nothing on it, and I want people to know about Spike Cohen. That's okay, friend, because if you put this hat on backwards, it's got the Muddied Waters Media. We added this too, and then we yeah. also have an yeah, actual, it's an embroidered patch. Look at that. I want you to see this craftsmanship. It's not just... You can, it's, I also have one. Nope, other one. I also have one right layers. here on my jacket. Yeah, he's got it on his jacket, but look at the la- It's got layers. It has actual layers to it, and you can touch its tactile, so it feels nice if you like to touch things. And you got that. All of this can be yours for the low, low price of whatever it ends up auctioning off for. Which we will auction off on this ep- on this show at some like not today, but like on an episode of this show. In the oh, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll play it up. Okay, we're going to have some big hitters come in, and they're going to be bidding. So if you want this hat signed by both of us, with the cat, with the, the thing on the back, with the patch on the back, and also then the other thing saying what the patch means, in case someone asks you and you don't want to have to explain it, stay tuned because we'll be auctioning it off. Now, here is time for the, the actual the episode that we, of the things that we're going to talk about. Yep. Go. Oh, this is a rapid fire segment. This is now we're starting the cold brew black organic coffee, cold brewed caffeinated rapid fire segment brought to you again by blackbrews.com. Use code MW for free shipping. Matt? Yep. And as I touched on earlier, um, two years ago on September 4th, um, Spike became the co host of muddied waters of freedom um and i am very sentimental of that day because we were close before that and after that we just grew to be closer so i made a video for my dear friend spike uh and and i'm watching this for the first time by the way He is watching this for the very first time, and this video took me a really long time to make, and it's not that great. So don't, like, get your hopes up that this is amazing. But I wanted to, I wanted to give Spike something for the second, his second anniversary on the show. Well, that was a hell of a lead-in. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so let's, let's watch this thing that took a long time and isn't good. It's not great, but... <laughs> Are we live? Okay, good. Okay, yeah, no, we're live. Okay. Like, because, <laughs> I, because I'm on a delay, I was like, oh, crap. I, like, am I doing this over the intro? 
Forrest Spike, Curtis King, David. Spike, do the right thing. Jungle Fever. Spike, I'm better than Leonard. Skinny legs and all. Spike, burning Bush Wick Bill. Junior Lucas. Schmendrick Lamar. Only makes noise with a Z. The leader of the Jutang clan. Jew rule. <laughs> with his hit song, Chala, Chala. It's the bread that we eat on the Sabbath. Uh, Dr. Dre Dol, Naz Oltav, Big Punham, Boys Jew Men, Jew Z, Juvenile, Jews World, <laughs> Juchi Main, Jew Onsay, Lil Juzy Vert, Gremlins to the New Batch, Jew Pac, Sakel, the notorious J.E.W. One time I pulled off a kick for the honey maple smoked for the future vice president of the United States, Spike Cohen. I am Matt Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. That just made me. Aww. That legitimately took me like six hours to make because I had to download every one of those. Why did you say that wasn't good? I like that. That was nice. I wanted to throw in like other stuff, like clips and make it like a five minute thing and do it as an intro. And then I was like, man, this is taking too long. So he's Yeah, no, it. it's better because the intro is when people are coming in to watch the show. So a lot of people might have missed it that way. No, this was great. This was good. And this is all my Jewish rap names, which is nice. Not all and, of them. So some of no, them I, know. I wasn't allowed to download because of copyright strikes. Against our own show. Yep. So, like LL Cool Jew, not not available. Not LL Cool Which, Jew. That one is that is what you are in my phone as. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like Big Punham. I big forgot Punham. that one. Yeah, Big Punham. I forgot Big Punham. Yeah. Big Punham. So yeah, no, it's uh, I it's been a fantastic two years. Um, it has been what has catapulted us to where we are now. Us being, uh, you know, working on this together. Uh, we are spreading the message of liberty to a, a, a widely growing audience across the country, across the world. And uh, I am grateful to be a part of this. I am grateful to you for tapping me for it. Uh, and uh, because as we all know, Matt Wright is apparently a genius. And, we, and it, he had, as he will tell you personally, <laughs> he saw... Well, I guess my mother first, and my, and then I guess my wife after that. But after he was the first male, well, I guess my dad first. But he was the first male that Not I didn't spring forth from his loins. No, my brother actually really believes in me too. He is the first <laughs> non-related person of to me. Who, well, no, my wife wasn't really related to me when we met. He's the first male that I'm not related to. Uh, who uh, has who recognized my talent? And I mean, that's kind of not true because like a lot of people like, hire me <laughs> but I guess for, for, for specifically podcasting. So you have that going for you. You're right. the first non-male right. that I was not related to. No, you're first male that I'm not related to, to recognize that I'd be good at podcasting. So you've got that. And, and no one know, can ever take that from you. No one can ever take that from ever. Me. No one can <laughs> Try as they might, no one will ever take that from you. Good job, Matt. So, that's what happened there. That Speaking of things that happen 
to chill. Well, I, if I, when I was a child. Hey, in Matt, Colorado I heard something. Springs. Okay, yeah. Colorado Springs. In Colorado Springs, Colorado, a 12-year-old had the police show up to his door and was suspended from school for five days. Wow, he must have done something terrible. Yeah, you would think he did something awful, which, you know, he got suspended from school for five days for the atrocious crime of picking up a neon green Nerf gun with the words zombie hunter painted on the side during a Zoom class. That would Wait, be what? The, yeah, the, me picking up a Nerf gun whilst talking to you, and he got suspended from school for five days. Another student in Colorado Springs who was 11 committed the same heinous infraction with an airsoft gun, and he also got the five-day suspension. These weren't even real guns. This was a Nerf gun and and an airsoft gun? Yep. And granted, they did not describe the airsoft gun, and I've seen some very realistic ones. It's in a Zoom class. It's in a Zoom class. I get that. No, I understand. I understand that. But if it is a neon green Nerf gun with zombie hunter zombie painted, hunter. Across, <laughs> painted across the side, obviously it is a toy. And when Colorado Springs was asked about it, they said, well, we're just trying to apply the rules equally that they would have to uh, abide by here at the school. Now, this is terrifying. Because with these cameras that Spike and I are currently on, using the same platform that they are using, the schools are now getting into your homes. And because of things that are happening while the kids are in class, kids are being suspended, police are showing up. We talked about this a little bit um, two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the students who weren't showing up to Zoom classes and the police and Child Protective Services were showing up in Massachusetts. Yep. Um, people were getting arrested for it. The state is not being able to police what kids are doing during the day in their homes. Yeah. Yep. So now they are doing it at home. Yeah. They're doing this at home and both the zombie hunter gun and the airsoft gun. I'm looking at them right now. I, I pulled them up. These are toys. They're obvious toys. They look like toys. They have big orange things on the front of the barrel just in case the fact that it was neon green didn't maybe pose the fact that it was fake. Um, This is all nonsense, and it was absurd. I heard another uh, example of this ridiculous overreach. Uh, I was being interviewed by Daryl Perry, former Libertarian presidential uh, nominee candidate Daryl Perry, uh, who's now running for governor in New Hampshire. Be sure to check him out. Uh, But he mentioned the fact that there was a teacher who required her students, well, I don't know if it was a her, his or her students, they required their students to wear shoes during class, in a Zoom class, in the house. Now, putting aside the fact that how do you even enforce such a thing, I wouldn't want my kid to have their shoes on in the house. And what... What is what even is that? What does that have to do with education? Why would a why would a student have to wear shoes in a Zoom chat in their room right. at their in their house? Yeah, that makes 
I saw something where um, I think it was here in Florida, but they were praising the students who were showing up wearing masks to Zoom classes. And I don't know if they were like, and I don't know if they were punishing the students that weren't, but they were definitely praising their, uh, the students who were. And they were saying, look at all these students who are ready for appropriate social distance learning. And I was like, mm, are they? They're sitting they're, on their beds or at their desks at, at home. home. Right. Why would you don't, they need a mask on you at don't home? Need that. I don't wear the mask to do this show. Yeah, I, I don't plan to wear a mask in my house. Why would, why, what are they not telling us? What does big Zoom not want you to know about the safety of using Zoom in your house? <laughs> the Zoom computer coronavirus. The Zoom, Google Zoom coronavirus. You'll find nothing. You'll find nothing because there's nothing there. But where, I mean, what? What? A, like, this was applauded that students are being encouraged to wear masks at in their rooms. Yeah, that'll I, well, show I, that well, virus. I mean, I don't know if they're all in their rooms, but you know, they're they're at home. And they're of course, what home. we always hear is masks aren't for you; they're for everyone else. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm at home by myself. No, you should be wearing a mask. Nope, you can't have the toy that you're going to play with the moment you put the computer screen down. You can't have that toy. Mm -hmm. you, none of it makes sense. And everybody... And you have, to be wearing, you, have to be wearing, you have to be wearing shoes, too, to protect your fellow students from... Right, yeah, why do you need to wear foot. shoes? Why do you need to wear shoes at all in the... And what, when you're sitting at home taking a yeah. Zoom class. And how this did they all, the, wearing shoes? The, did they ask the, to see their feet? That's what I said. I mean, you want to see my feet right now? Good luck. No, I'm not as flexible as a kid, but even still, like, what you know, hey, show us your shoe. First of all, that's ableist. Like, like if someone has a disability, how are they even going to show you their feet that easily? And then right. second of all, again... I was raised. You don't put your, you don't bring your shoes into the house. You've been walking around outside all day. Oh, by the way, you want to know what is dangerous during a pandemic? Bringing your shoes into the house where you've been walking around and everyone's spitting slobber all day long out in the sidewalks, wherever else you've been going, in the stores and everything else. You want to leave your shoes outside, unless your teacher tells you wear inside. But at least you got a mask on to protect the nobody else that's there from your from the virus you just got because you brought your shoes in the house. Now, now I'm legitimately concerned on why, on why the teacher knew that these students weren't wearing, weren't wearing shoes. I have no I idea. Say, I I, I, see you. Did he or she say, need to see your feet, need to do a shoe check? Which, by the way, that's super creepy. That and is super creepy. Like, why is your teacher asking to see your Alex kids' Boyer feet? said, how much for feet picks, Spike? And then I was like, Oh God! Did he ask to see their feet, or she? Did 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 the teacher in this scenario say, "Can I see your feet?" Let me see your feet. It sounds like a foot fetish thing that is getting really weird, and they're mas they're they're hiding it behind. You know, oh, we just want to make sure you've got your shoes on. Why? Like, why would why? like what why? what? How does this help anyone? So speaking of the um, 
Yeah, there's not really a good segue into this. So a, a grand jury in, uh, in Kentucky is going to be hearing evidence on whether or not to press charges on the police officers who murdered Breonna Taylor uh, next week. That's going to be happening. Right. The, um, the Kentucky, uh, Kentucky, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron uh, is leading this investigation into Taylor's death. He's been tweeting a lot, a lot. Um, and he tweeted on Wednesday that conflicting rumors and reports circulating on a daily basis about the investigation don't do anything to advance justice. Now, I don't know how many of you follow at literally Spike Cohen on Instagram. But you should. But you, yeah, you should. You um, should. He had, I was going to say it was his last post, but it was the last post that I was on his page for. Uh, he has a picture of him holding a sign that says, today is a good day to arrest the police officers who killed Breonna Taylor or something like that. You get the gist. Yeah, and actually, so it didn't, so that's actually the winner of our, um, that's actually the winner of our Photoshop contest. Um, and it is not letting me share it to show that to you. That's interesting. Um, anyway, we had a, a Photoshop contest, a meme contest, where there was a photo of me holding a blank sign from my Cincinnati rally, my first stop. And we got all sorts of, a lot of them were terrible, honestly. But uh, we got a lot of really good ones, too. Uh, and uh, some that made my mom angry. By the way, uh, I think you know who you are that did that. Maybe put, put some, some... Anyway, so, uh, so the rest, there, so there were some really good ones, too. And one of them Matt was this Hicks, one. It? It, it was not. Surprisingly, Matt Hicks did not contribute to huh. making my mom angry at me. Asking me why I was holding up signs that said such things, and I said, "I it's Photoshop." I made I made one of those. I know. I said, I'm team guy on the. Oh, that one did not upset her. That upset me, uh, <laughs> not her. But that was still terrible, uh, and I'm not terribly. I'm I'm not I'm not mad. I'm just I'm just disappointed, and, and a little mad. Um, but so yeah, no, it's it was on my. So go to my IG. At literally Spike Cohen, as soon as this is over, and uh, follow me on that. Um, Some of the comments in there, the people were saying the cops were just doing their jobs. The cops were just following orders. The cops were, the cops did nothing wrong. So many people are saying this, and now a lot of them are pushing these narratives that are being pushed out. And I was well, and, like, and it's all garbage because they're saying stuff like, "Oh, the boyfriend shot at the cops." Yeah, they broke into the house yeah, without announcing the who they were. That's the problem with no-knock raids. Whether or not they were there uh, for a justified reason, when someone breaks into your house, unannounced, plain clothes, so you don't know their officers, what do you do? Mr. I, I shoot anyone who breaks into my... Because that's what I hear. I, from the same people that are saying this nonsense are the same people who immediately turn around and say, if anyone busts into my house, I'll shoot them dead. Okay, great. Prove it. Prove it by defending Breonna Taylor and, 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 and her boyfriend right now. Because people who were not wearing uh, uh, police outfits, who were not wearing uh, uniforms, who did not announce that they were police officers, broke into their house late at night. So prove that you are this, you know, this warrior against uh, public, uh, against home invasion, who will murder, who would shoot dead anyone who comes into your house. Prove it by uh, immediately defending Breonna Taylor and her boyfriend.
or shut up. Right. And now a lot of people, I saw it in the chat, you know, she was asleep. Now a lot of people are saying that she wasn't asleep. She was in the hallway. That doesn't make a difference. Who cares? She was possibly, oh, she probably got woken up and walked out into the hallway. If she was selling drugs, people who were not wearing uniforms broke into her house and did not announce who they were. I don't know what you would do. I know what I would do. Pretty much what her boyfriend did. Right. If she was the one shooting at them herself, who cares? They broke into her house unannounced, not wearing uniforms. What the hell was she supposed to think? This is why we need to end no-knock raids. Period. If they had a reason to suspect that she was doing something, they can knock on the door and show her their warrant. So, so if her, week, go ahead, go ahead. So next week, uh, the grand jury is going to be getting together, uh, and they are going to present all the, uh, Daniel Cameron, the attorney general of Kentucky, will be presenting the evidence of this case and whether or not to charge these three officers, one of whom has been fired since this, um, whether or not they should charge them with murder or anything else. We will keep you all informed on that, obviously. Um, as that is what we do here, but I would not hold my breath on this one. If she was a kingpin drug dealer who was involved in selling drugs to every single drug addict in Louisville, Kentucky, it has not changed the fact that un, uh, out of uniform, plainclothes people, people who were not wearing uniforms, broke into her house unannounced. Whether she was an innocent cherub angel who was asleep in bed with her loving boyfriend, or whether they were Pablo Escobar and, and uh, Tony Montana personified, it doesn't matter. If someone breaks into your house unannounced, you have a right to shoot them. And if they fire back, they were the initial aggressors. That is why no-knock eight raids must end, period. Yes. So, speaking of people who say stupid things, the deficit and the debt. The debt. The debt. You're not going to read that first line? I am not. (laughs) You are, because you wrote it. I am not reading that. Um, I made a parody song out of an old salt and pepper song. You could just like you could just do it as spoken word. Let's talk about debt, baby. Let's talk about GDP. Let's talk about all the spending and the interest that may be. Let's talk about debt. Um, that was beautiful. Thank you, thank you. That uh, took me longer than the rest of the notes. Uh, <laughs> So the Congressional Budget, I probably should have written down what that O is for, uh, the Congressional budget, orga- uh, Congressional budget Organization now expects the deficit for this year to hit $3.3 trillion. That's more than three times larger than the deficit for the fiscal year, year that ended in September of 2019. To put, put that in perspective... 
That is almost as much debt as Barack Obama ran up in his first term in office. That's to in it, one year. To put it in a different perspective, the, buffet, the budget deficit for the month of June alone exceeded every annual budget deficit during the George W. Bush administration. Every so the, uh, fe- ju- just, just the one month exceeded any, remember back when, I don't know how, how old, you know, some people aren't old enough that are watching this to, to remember the Bush years. We were told correctly every single day that George Bush was massively expanding the debt in an unsustainable way. And they were right. They were right. Uh, Trump and his friends in the Republican party, that's both of them, uh, in Congress, have massively ballooned that. Before you go, hey, that's not Trump's fault. He's not in Congress. He signs all of those bills. He doesn't veto them or even attempt to veto them. The only time he vetoes anything is when they try to rein in his executive power. He actually encourages massive amounts of spending. And in fact, what was it, two weeks ago, uh, we talked about the fact that he introduced an executive order that creates a spending plan from whole cloth, which is completely illegal, but he did it anyway. So if you are still one of the people who is predisposed to think that he is going to do anything about the debt other than massively expand it, I submit to you the entirety of reality. And you are going to get a massive amount of reality on this one if you don't believe it. Now, the fiscal year, the federal fiscal year, is ending at the end of this month. Um, And the debt will equal nearly 98% of the gross domestic product. Wow. The debt that the government has run up in your name, in your children's name, and their children's name, and their children's name that you will have to pay off uh, over the next 40 years with interest is greater than the entire economic output or, or roughly equal, it's to, roughly equal to, next to the entire economic time, output. Next year at this time, we will have exceeded the entire economic output. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's, it's only expanding more. Every president adds more debt than the one before them. And, and, and adds it at a greater rate than the one before them. And that has been the case uh, since Wilson, I believe. So, uh, yeah, by this time next year, the economy will actually be smaller than the national debt. And that has actually happened only one time before. Right after World War II. Only time that the spending has been greater, greater than, than the economy. Yeah, the debt has been greater than the economy. It was during a world war where the U.S. government employed everyone right. for the war effort yep. and spent massive amounts of money for a, a conventional, traditional war effort. Um, just to have a bit of a laugh, remember this from long, long ago, all of four years ago, when Donald Trump insisted that he would wipe out the U.S. debt in eight years. Uh, yeah. He said in a wide-ranging interview with the Washington Post that he'd be able to get rid of the more than $19 trillion. Now it's now it's $27 because he's added eight to it uh, over a period of eight years. Um, uh, and he said it, he would have to uh, basically uh, pay off $2 trillion a year, um, and instead he has massively expanded it 
Now, many of you. Oh, also, I just need to add. He, the reason he, he said that he would be able to do that by, quote, unquote, renegotiating, renegotiating all of our deals. We have had three and a half years of what Donald Trump renegotiating deals looks like. It looks like any other Republican in office. More and more and more and more spending, debt, and taxation. Dan Albright just wrote, well, that aged like the finest milk. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's nice and curdled um, now. Yeah. Now, a lot of people out there, probably not the ones watching this, but a lot of people out there are going to say, it's because of the coronavirus. This is mm. because of corona. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't say they that. They should not do that. They no. should not say that. As reported by Matt Welsh of Reason, Spending grew over $984 billion under Trump before the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So just to put it in perspective, we've got some stats here. In Barack Obama's last full fiscal year of 2016, the federal government spent $3.85 trillion. And to break it down, $2.43 trillion on mandatory items, mandatory, uh, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, things like that. Uh, 1.16 trillion on discretionary outlays, more than half of that went to the Pentagon, and 230 billion on debt service. Mm -hmm. Before the coronavirus in fiscal year 2020, the federal government was on course to cough up 4.79 trillion, 2.98 trillion going to the mandatory, the mandatory, uh, 1.44 trillion going to discretionary, and 380 billion in interest. Yeah. So for those keeping tally at home, that is a more than 25% increase in the amount of spending. So for those of you who said Donald Trump's going to make government smaller, no, he didn't. He actually did never say that. And he's proving that he wasn't ever going to do that. Oh, uh, he, ever, he never said he was going to make it smaller. He said that he was going to cut regulations, which, yep. yes, he has done that. He's sort done of. some, but he's also introduced... He, there's a net increase in the amount of regulations that exist right now from when he came right. into office. And then he always said, I'm going to drain this. We're going to drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp. And that's not even close. He instead became... What is it you said? The king of the swamp creatures. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, like, something of the swamp creatures. Yeah, he became the king of the swamp creatures. He said, I'm going to drain the swamp. He is the swamp. He has been the swamp his entire life, and now he's in charge of the swamp. And we're getting everything we would expect from such an arrangement. A lifelong crony finally has the reins of the executive power, and he's using it to enrich himself and the cronies that put him in office and, uh, and, and at our direct expense. 25% increase in spending. Uh, the average American family is seeing a 23% increase in taxes. You may not know that because you were told that your taxes went down, and then you wonder why the cost of living went up way high all of a sudden. That's because of Trump's trade wars and introducing tariffs on the things you buy every single day which has led the average American household to have a de facto increase in taxes because all tariffs are taxes paid by you, the consumer, an increase of roughly 23%. And the less money you make, because it is essentially a sales tax, the less money you make, the higher your increase in taxes has been during the time that Donald Trump has been in office. So if you are a working class voter who voted for Trump, congratulations. You got all of the debt and all of the bill with interest so that Donald Trump could hand $6 trillion in counting in crony giveaways 
to multi-billion dollar corporations that helped to put Trump and his Republican friends in Congress in office. Yep. So the annual price tag of government went up by 937 billion in less than four years, more than the 870 billion price hike Obama produced in an eight year span. So that also, remember Obama, when he first came in, that included a massive financial crisis that he yep. adopted from George W. Mm -hmm. Who, there used to be a, uh, years ago, there was a meme that went around, uh, which president doubled the national debt? And then it was uh, George Bush, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, both. And you check both because both did it. The answer is both. And Donald Trump is on course to more than double the debt if he got another term. So you could soon add Trump's name to that if he gets reelected. And if you put sure. Biden in, he's going to do the same thing because that's what Republicans do. Uh, recently, Donald Trump put up a, a tweet where he said uh, he, he said, if you want to know what a Joe Biden presidency looks like, just look at the chaos in our streets. You know, that the chaos that's happening while Donald Trump is president. And he's right. If you want to know what it's like for a Republican to be in office, look at what it's like when a Republican's in office. I don't think that's what he meant, but it's true. If you want to see what it's like to continue having Republicans rule over you, look at what it's like with them currently ruling over you. Because yep. it's never it's never going to be any different. I believe it was Ronald Reagan who said, "Who cares about the debt? Who do we really owe it to?" That's paraphrasing, of course. I believe he was the one who said that. And the answer, uh, of course, is the Federal Reserve. Right. Um, but since, since Reagan, the ultra-conservative spending has just been on an upward slope because yep. who cares about our debt? The Whenever Federal Republicans are in office, all of a sudden debts don't matter. As long as you're spending it on the right things. And the Democrats are outraged at the massive deficit that we have. And then Democrats get into office and they immediately and dutifully work together to switch places. Now the Democrats say, it doesn't matter. We just have to spend it on the right things. And the Republicans go, this is an absolute outrage. And the founders would be appalled. Right. And then they switch places again. And it's the same thing over and over again because they're on the same Every team. Every four to eight years. Just Every four, four to eight, eight years, you get the same thing. Because they're all on the same team. It's all theater. They are working together every single day to screw you over just a little bit more than they did the day before. Since uh, the COVID has happened, since the COVID pandemic, which again, for those watching, at home, those counting at home, happened because the federal government did not allow uh, uh, medical professionals to test COVID patients for the first two months that the virus was here, which is what has allowed it to spiral completely out of control here. Since that has happened, and they did that to us, spending has gone through the roof. They've spent more than uh, $2.3 $2 trillion in additional spending, over and above what they were already planning on spending this year. Uh, and another $3.5 trillion uh, has been uh, approved by the House already. The Senate has put it on hold because now all of a sudden they're worried about whether or not they have the money to spend. Now, which, the, now, now they're which, As most of our highly intelligent audience already knows, uh, the Senate with uh, cocaine Mitch uh, put up a $500 billion skinny coronavirus bill that failed. It crashed and burned. You needed yeah. 60, I think you needed 60 votes to pass it. Uh, the final on it was 52 to 47, with every Democrat and Rand Paul voting no. Yeah. 
Well, of course, Rand Paul probably voting against it because it's spending anything. Um, right. I, I shouldn't speak for him, though, because he's 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 put his his name on a couple of spending bills that he, he promised will, he, he will get in line when he's told he needs to get in when line. he has to. But yeah. on this bill, he didn't. Have he wasn't to told. Of, yeah. He so he got to virtue signal to. He got to, exactly. He got to he got the libertarian virtue signal um, when his vote wasn't needed because it, it was never going to pass. Um, And that allows him to keep his libertarian bona fides in place. Um, Anyway, uh, so this is only going to get worse. And it is only going to get worse as long as we buy into the false narrative that voting against the the, the Republicans and the Democrats is a vote thrown away, a wasted vote. A wasted vote is continuing to vote for the people that are doing this to us. And it's never going to change until we vote differently. And if you would have voted Republican and you vote Libertarian and the Democrats win, or if you would have voted Democrat but you voted Libertarian and the Republicans win, I've got some consolation for you. It's going to be the same thing no matter which party wins. You're going to get the same thing. The only difference is the rhetoric they use to their respective base and the rhetoric they use to the bases that don't like them because that's part of the game is them playing good cop, bad cop with each other to their respective bases. It is all theater. It is intended to keep you hateful of people who think differently from you and at each other's throats all day long with your loved ones and your friends and your uh, neighbors and colleagues who vote differently from you. Because if, they, if you weren't at each other's throats, you could all tape a, take a step back and say, oh, they're all on the same team. I see. They're all on the same side. They're screwing us all over. It's not about left versus right. It's not about conservative versus liberal. It's about the American people versus a small handful of incredibly powerful, cynical sociopaths who rob you every day to enrich themselves and the cronies who bought and paid for them to be in office. It ends when we vote libertarian, and that's as simply as I can put it. So now, are we doing Chris Reynolds? Um, are we doing Saturday? Let me look at my Saturday. We're going to decide right now if we're doing yeah, Chris we're Reynolds. We're going to decide live on the air if we're doing a Chris Reynolds now or if we are bringing you a Chris Reynolds spectacular on Saturday. Yeah, it's not going to work on Saturday. Let's do Chris Reynolds now. Okay. Uh, so uh start at the oldest ones i'm not sure how it comes up on whatever it is you're looking at because some of those are from like three weeks ago so all of these are ones we haven't listened to right uh as far as i know okay Uh, i think i cleared out everything else okay all right cool so here we go here just let me make sure before you start playing something um I cleared out everything. Okay, cool. So this is the Chris Reynolds, uh, personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call-in moment, where you can go to anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters and press the send a message button, and you can leave us a message, and uh, Matt and I will answer it here on the Muddy Waters of Freedom. Uh, You can also leave a donation, but you are not required to leave a donation in order to have us answer your question. But if you do, we will love you forever. And you are guaranteed to almost get every question on the air. Yes. Almost. So here is our first... Looking at you, Chris Reynolds. Uh, Here is our first question, and it doesn't say who it's from. So here's our first question. 
Hello there, Mr. Cohen. With the Space Force being talked about on social media due to the fact that the Postal Service has been denied funding for mail-in ballots, I'd like to know, if and when you and Dr. Jorgensen get into the Oval Office, what would you put the funding from the Space Force into, since I imagine that it would be disbanded since it is a waste on taxpayer money? Yes, we would definitely disband Space Force. And the money spent, if you will, on putting it back in your pocket because it never should have been robbed from you in the first place. That was an easy one. Um, Other than Netflix, is Space Force still a thing? Yeah, no, it's legit. They have their own logo. They're, they're putting together. They're, they're charging ahead with the Space Force. All right. They're doing the thing. And what right. a waste of money. Um, here is, here's the next... Uh, the next question, question here from Jorge Mendoza, who has been uh, asking a lot of really good questions recently. What's a book that you would recommend I read to understand free markets better? Thank you for your time. Hmm. What is... Gosh, I'm, I have to actually... <laughs> Look up the ones that I propose the most because I'm trying to think what would just one be. I usually like rattle I off a few. When, when this question was asked, I looked it up, but then we haven't had time and I don't remember which book. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. There's like, I mean, if I have to pick one, man, it would probably be Man, Economy, and the State by Rothbard because it's specifically free markets. That's a good one for I'd, specifically markets. I was gonna well. I was gonna say the wealth of nations by Adam Smith. That's that another a, good one too. Yeah, Adam Smith one, is another good one too. That was the one that I was gonna recommend. Because um, I like I when the question came in, I googled that. I was like, God, there's so many. And yeah, that's like, the problem. I usually give like a rattle off a few, but if I had to pick one, right? That was that was the one that helped me understand. Um, that would probably be the, the one I would pick of all if I had to pick just one specifically for free markets. Um, the two that I recommend that people read just for an understanding kind of helped shape my concept of government uh, was The Law by Frederick Bastiat, uh, which right. is a relatively small read. It's not long at all. And then uh, No Treason by Spooner, um, uh, by, by um, uh, Lysander Spooner. Um, those are two really, really good ones that were super eye-opening to me. Specific to free markets, I guess, man economy in the state. I guess. I'm kind of... <laughs> I also like for a new liberty, but no, 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 no. No, actually, no. For, specifically for free markets, I would say man economy in the state would be my, would be my, my pick. Um, and, and Wealth of Nations is, is another good one as well. Hopefully this can be a fun question for you to answer. Can you build an ideal president using policies and aspects of previous presidents? Thanks for your time. Oh, gosh. Uh, I, so I guess, I mean, let me keep it simple. I think I would go with uh, Calvin Coolidge's uh, concept of taxation and William Henry Harris's, William Henry Harrison's lifespan. <laughs> that, that was going to get me in trouble. 
that was almost verbatim what I had. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Calvin Coolidge, like he vetoed a lot and his idea on taxes was pretty good. Didn't like his thing on alcohol. Yeah, that wasn't good. But but then Henry Harrison just died. Yeah, he he just died. 45 days in or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That was, I'm just going to go that, with that. that like of previous verbatim. presidents? I mean, hopefully we have presidents that live long and just dismantle everything. But I guess from the existing ones, I guess Coolidge, who while in office for 40 days, would not make it bigger and then dutifully leave office. <laughs> Don't have to die, by the way. They could just quit. Hmm. They could just quit. They don't have, don't have Could you to imagine die. if there was an election every 42 days? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't... I mean, it would be funny. But, but that's not what happens. Is it, Instead, it just gets passed down to vice president. And then, right. And then you have... So forth, yeah. Then you have a totally different issue. Then you have a totally different issue. So um, here's our next question. Hello, hello. Alex from Virginia calling in to hey, Matt Wright and Spike Cohen, God's chosen dilated peoples on the Chris Reynolds personal injury attorney, attorney at law, anchor calling line. And I'm just wondering. Did he just say God's chosen dilated peoples? Yeah. That has so many layers. And I like dilated peoples. I didn't even And that's know such that. an obscure name for that's such an obscure group. I, I I did not know who that was who that was and I was just like I'm just gonna keep going. What an obscure <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it and I appreciate it, Alex. Wondering how can we make the House and Senate assume responsibility and take accountability for actions that they've been putting off onto the executive branch? How can we reintroduce checks and balances into the system? And more importantly, how can we introduce checks mix imbalances into the system? Ooh. And what is the best kind of checks mix? Oh, man. Anything with... Uh... I'm the one that likes the... And I can't even have it anymore because of my diet. But I'm the one that likes the little, the little like, brown... Oh, the brown stick things? No, it's not. It's like a little, like, mini bread slice. Oh, but it's yeah. Hard. You like that thing? Oh gosh, it's my favorite part. It's all salty. Uh, the way it's the, shaped um, like your tongue, so you can just put it on your tongue and just let it sit there and salt up your tongue. Any of the uh, Muddy Buddy mixes, big fan of those. Basically, all the ones that have sugar in it. Um, and the uh, I think it's called the Hot and Spicy. Oh, the Hot and Spicy one. That would. I, I, I don't know if it's called Hot and Spicy, but. It, it's hot You'll and know. spicy. Yeah, yeah. It's hot and spicy. Um, that that one's the uh, that those those are my two favorite ones. Right. Yeah, there. I, I tend to like salty, savory stuff. Umami, I like umami Chex Mix. Um, dilated peoples. That was an interesting reference. Anyway, um, now I just have dilated people songs in my head, and I'm having a hard time concentrating. Uh, adding checks and balances back into the system. I mean, here's the problem. Clearly, the way it was written didn't work uh, because we have what we have now. Uh, and this goes to a question of, are, is it possible to strengthen a document enough so that 
liars and thieves and scoundrels can't find a loophole around it. I don't know that that's the case. I mean, we, we had a pretty strong protection uh, in the form of checks and balances, and the Congress and, uh, and Supreme Court found many times to just give deference to putting all the power in the executive branch, which is incredible, because here you have, uh, especially in this election cycle, you have a, a half-Democrat-run uh, split Congress that is saying Donald Trump is like Hitler in our time and he must be stopped, while simultaneously giving him more and more executive power. And we've seen this time and time again. We've seen it when Obama was president and the Republicans just kept handing him power while comparing him to every bad president of our times or every bad head of state of our times. When George Bush was in office, they routinely called, called him Bush Hitler, which had two layers there. Um, but also giving him continued power because it's all theater and they're fine with giving power to that whatever Republican is in charge because he's a Republican just like they are. Um, the, I guess, silver lining to that is when Joe Jorgensen comes into office, she can just start undoing that stuff. Uh, I guess one thing we can do is say, hey, look, if you put it in the hands of the executive, we can just undo it. Uh, so one way to prevent that from happening is to make it an actual law and do your damn jobs. Um, but honestly, I'm not even sure if that would do it. I think really any of these things, whether we're talking about reducing spending, reducing taxation, ending the wars, bringing the troops home, ending the camps on the border, introducing checks and balances, uh, you know, getting government out of health care, all of these things, whatever stuff we do on paper is all fine and good, but it requires constant vigilance of the people. And it requires changing the people's minds to agree with us so that we have more and more people being constantly vigilant against it. I don't know that there's just a, a set-it-in-place solution. There hasn't been yet. So, as most of us can agree, uh, executive orders are very unconstitutional. Yes. Let's say... Joe gets into office. Could she do an executive order that doesn't negate executive orders that have already happened, but negates all executive orders in the future? Yeah, until someone else comes in and makes an executive order undoing that executive order, which is... But, but that's why I said not to negate anything, because in the, uh, in the Supreme Court ruling against Trump, uh, he said he overturned one of Obama's executive orders, and they said, nope, he did it first. You don't get to undo it. Because they wanted that to remain in place. There have been plenty of times when, uh, pres and this is a perfect example of the arbitrary nature of the whole thing, because there have been plenty of presidents that have undone previous executive orders with new mm -hmm. executive orders. Th and this is it, the problem we face. every year with the, uh, whether or not we give money to people who have state-funded abortions. Yeah, exactly. It happens yeah. on many different political footballs, um, and the Supreme Court is very arbitrary with it. And so this is what it comes down to, is, is it has to be fought at every step, at the legislative step, at the judicial step, at the executive step. Uh, we have to get libertarians in office, and more importantly, because that's an important part of it, but more importantly, not only do we need to get libertarians in office, we need to change the conversation in this country, which is why I am focusing my part of the campaigning so much on talking to activists about reaching out to people in their communities, because we can change this when we 
go out into the greater body politic, listen to their concerns, empathize with what their concerns are, reflect back that we're listening to them, and then take them on the journey for liberty. I can't do it myself. All of us going out there, meeting with people of all different walks of life, all different races, creeds, colors, religious affiliations, political affiliations, and everything else, income levels and everything else, and being able to reach them with our message of liberty and getting more and more people into it is how we do it. There's not an easy way there's not an easy way to do it. If there was, it would have already been done. So here is the next question from Selena Stewart, who asks us, Selena Stewart. About a week ago, I saw an article pop up. Um, the Trump administration pushes arms sale to UAE despite Israeli worries. It came in the New York Times. It's about the only article you can find, and it came out during the DNC convention. Um, I've shared it, and a lot of people, you know, who saw it from me sharing it have been super concerned. I feel like it should get a lot more uh, attention. I know he's tried to get it through Congress before. This is a week after his peace treaty meeting or whatever. And um, it's talking about selling F-35 stealth fighters and advanced armed drones to the UAE. Um, I want to know, why do you think that they're not really talking about it very much? What are your concerns if this deal to go through? And why isn't it illegal? Thanks. So the reason it's not being talked about is because it doesn't fit within the Donald Trump bad, Joe Biden bad, you have to pick a side narrative because the U.S. foreign policy of imperialism is just as American or as Republicrat as anything else that they push. It has become part and parcel of what they push to the point where they don't even talk about it anymore. The only reason that the Iraq war was brought up during the time of the run-up to the Iraq war was because the Republicrats realized that it was incredibly unpopular that the American people did not want to go to war in Iraq, and so they had to politicize it. They had to make it a Bush versus Democrats thing because that would allow half of Americans to immediately support it because George Bush was supporting it. All of the theater they did, Bush is Hitler, Bush lied, people died, all of while continuing, while all of them, almost all of them, voted in favor of it and voted to continue funding it, including Bernie Sanders, who voted to fund it. Uh, all of these people that pretended they were against it but continued to fund it, the reason they had to create that theater was in order to get roughly 50% of Americans to support it. And the only way they could do that was tie that to one of the major political parties. Outside of that, it's business as usual. If someone even suggests trying to end these wars, suggests trying to get the U.S. out of these wars, they're labeled a, a Russian spy or a Russian bot serving the interest of Vladimir Putin himself. It's red baiting that goes back decades and, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's nonsense. Here's the thing with weapon sales. American suppliers should be free to sell weapons to whoever they wish. Anyone. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It did not mean just by the federal government. It did not just mean Americans. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That also means that the right of the people to sell arms to people who wish to keep and bear them shall not be infringed. So the government shouldn't be pushing for or against arms sales. They should be allowing providers to provide to whomever wants to have them. In this case, if the UAE government wants to have them and American companies want to sell them, okay, 
Not a single penny of American tax dollars should have to go to it. Not a single bit of uh, political maneuvering should go into it. Uh, Because when he's saying arms sales, he's talking about American U.S. taxpayer dollars subsidized arms sales, where they pay a lot less uh, than they normally would. And we pay for that. Not only do we pay full price for the F-35s that our military buys, we also pay subsidized pricing for other countries' governments who want them. Why? Because screw you, that's why. So that needs to end. Did you want to add anything? I can't think of a single thing I could add to that. Hey, thanks. Um, okay, pretty here much is... covered all of that. What's that? You pretty much covered all of that. Well, thank you. And I got one from Luke Roiker, I think it's spelled, Roker, uh, asking about qualified immunity. Hey, guys, my name's Luke. I'm relatively new to libertarianism, but I like your show, and I like the campaign, Thank and you. I support you guys totally. Um, I had a question about qualified immunity. So we talk a lot about ending qualified immunity. I'm all for that. I'm with that. But what I was wondering is we talk also a lot about cases where somebody already got qualified immunity, and it was BS, right? So, like, the guy who got his car torn apart or, like, murder cases. So... Would there be any opportunity, if we end qualified immunity, to go back and look at those cases where somebody, I don't know, murdered somebody and got qualified immunity that they didn't deserve um, and and go back and get justice for those people? Or does double jeopardy apply? Or is there some other reason we couldn't do that? So thanks. I appreciate you guys. That's a a great question. That is a a great question. Wait, what did he say at the end? Hold on. He said something at the end. Yeah, I missed it. He, he kept pausing, so I thought it was one. done. Oh, he just said, have a good one. Okay, go ahead. Um, first of all, thank you for uh, saying that you are a fan of the show and we appreciate you watching. Yeah. Um, now, where qualified immunity began, I don't remember the name of the case. It was like 1960. It was the 1960s, yeah. yeah. yeah I don't remember exactly. But where it began was uh, there was a protest being held between uh, black people and white people in, I believe, Alabama, who went to a segregated place together, knowing that they were going to get arrested. Uh, The police arrested them, and then later the segregation laws were overturned. They sued the police for false imprisonment. And the Supreme Court ruled because they had no way of knowing that the law was going to be overturned, they were doing everything that they were allowed to do. So based on the precedence of where qualified immunity began, I would say, no, you wouldn't be able to overturn it and to get justice for those people. But if qualified immunity is overturned, everything from here on out, those people would get justice. And I'd hate to phrase it like this. I really do. But the people who we wouldn't get justice for, they would be the liberties. Or sorry, the patriots. They would be the patriots who's They were the martyrs who who right. it, their suffering showed the American people, wow, this needs to end. And that's a horrific way of looking at it. But it, it is a terrible way to look at it because I wish I could get justice for all of those for people. For everyone, exactly. But it would be they would be the next step up to 
getting rid of qualified immunity and and being able to get justice from here on out. Right. Now, with that said, there could be potential for the Department of Justice looking to see if there was a federal violation of someone's constitutional rights on a criminal level that hadn't been investigated before uh, or looked into before. But uh, with the and it's not double jeopardy because this would be with qualified immunity. It's a civil thing, not a criminal thing. Uh, But uh, it does apply to the extent that or no, I. Well, it wouldn't be double jeopardy because they weren't already sued. But what it would be is that there was already case law saying they are shielded. If that changed, then our understanding is that it would be a moving forward thing. But but more than likely, no qualified immunity in terms of them being able to be sued for what they did uh, could not end. But there is a potential that, uh, you know, under a libertarian administration, uh, both at the federal level and at the state level, uh, people who had not been charged uh, their cases could be looked into to see if there was a, an, 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 enough of a, a, um, uh, enough evidence to actually try them in, in court on a, on a criminal charge. Um, but that, that would require, again, getting more libertarians in office and, and changing the conversation in this country to be able to, to do so. But that is an excellent question, Luke. That fantastic question. Um, these have all been really good questions, especially yeah. the checks Mix one. I really like that. <laughs> uh, this question is from Meg Jones. A.K.A. Narcissistic. Um, narcissistic. She wants to see if we can pronounce narcissistic. I hope we nailed it. Uh, yeah, I would say that. I think we deal. I think we nailed it. Not to be narcissistic or anything. Here's Meg's question. Okay. Wait. Hi guys. My question is a two-part question for Spike mm-hmm. in regards to the situation at the border. What does an open border policy look like from the libertarian perspective? And how do you think decriminalizing drug use will impact the security issues that people are concerned about? Also, you guys are awesome, and our household really appreciates everything you guys are doing to get the word of freedom out there. Thank you, Meg. Um, I just want to say something about Meg real quick. Um, Meg is one of the sweetest individuals that is a member of the Muddied Waters group on Facebook. Not, not, the, not the page, but the group. The, the group, the by the way, join the Facebook, the, the group. If you haven't already, look up Muddied Waters, uh, and it's a Facebook group, and uh, we would love to have you join us there. That's where all the fun, all the cool kids are. Right, and she, um, she is constantly sending uh, super fan Sarah Andreg sweet uh, comments in the comment sections of uh, any of the posts that I put up, as well as she sent her the sweetest, which I'm not going to repeat what was said, but she sent her the sweetest message the other day uh, when requesting her friendship. And Meg, I just want to say you're a wonderful human being. That's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, thank you, Meg, for for everything that you're doing. And thank you for that question. Um, So by the way, you have to tell us if we pronounce narcissistic correctly. I hope we did. Um, But so, okay, so what Joe and I are proposing for the border is closer to what the found- the founders actually intended for there to be no regulations or no limitations whatsoever on who wants to come here for peaceful purposes. The purpose of the border, according to the founders, was twofold. One was to delineate their area of authority, their jurisdiction. This is what we own, this, or this is what we have governmental control over. And then the individual states have their regions that they have their state control over. Two, it was a line 
that said, if you cross this line for military reasons, if you try to invade the country with an army, if you try to shoot rockets over it, if you try to you know, fire into our country or something like that, shoot cannons into our country uh, or invade our country or fly drones into our country, whatever, you are invading our territory and our sovereignty, and now you've done a military action and we will respond appropriately, uh, whether that means war or, or whatever else it means. At no point was the border intended uh, to stop people coming for peaceful reasons. And in fact, worldwide, historically, borders were never for stopping people who were coming to trade or do anything like that. Uh, even when people bring up the Great Wall of China, the Great Wall of China had gates and people came and went from it regularly. The only reason it was there uh, was to prevent an army for, from crossing. Um, the idea of a border being a place where people are stopped uh, if they want to come for peaceful reasons is a post-World War II uh, failed zero-sum labor unionist economic idea. Uh, and it has failed. Uh, and all it has done is created a massive surveillance and police state, not just along the border, but everywhere in the country. Uh, you now have to fill out a, uh, you know, you have to submit your information to E-Verified, a federal database, to get permission. Uh, every time you want to get a job or in an increasing number of states to get a lease or to get utilities put in your name or to do a myriad of things, Border Patrol assumes the authority to be able to stop anyone without a warrant or suspected reason for stopping them uh, or st stated reason for stopping them, which is a total violation of your due process rights, not just at the border, but within 150 miles of any border or coastline. So like... Yep. All of Florida. So that's all of Florida. I think all it's of like Florida. One tiny one mile wide strip right most, up the middle. Most of where people live, most Americans leave, live either within 150 miles of a shoreline or a international border, a border with Mexico or, or Canada. Uh, it, it, it's, it is absurd. And it has not made us safe. So uh, what our policy would look like would be something closer to um, the Ellis Island policy. People come here. They tell us what their name is. They tell the government what their name is. They say what country they're coming from. They're checked to make sure they don't have any communicable diseases. If they do, they're quarantined until they don't. And then they're allowed to go on their way and enjoy the American situation and be able to live their lives. Because it's none of the government's business what they're doing once they're there. It's none of their business. They want to come here to work. They want to come here to reunite with their families. They want to come here to uh, get married. They want to come here for whatever reasons, whatever peaceful reasons, they are free to come. And it's none of the government's business. And the security and surveillance state uh, that has been created uh, that mostly just infringes upon our rights every day needs to be dismantled. Now, the question about uh, ending the war on drugs, what does that do for safety? It greatly increases safety because all the war on drugs is doing is empowering the very cartels that you know bring in drugs and, and do human trafficking and sex trafficking and everything else. And that border doesn't stop them even remotely because they have the money to bribe Border Patrol agents and government officials to get their drugs and their other wares in whenever they want to. Um, El, El, uh, um, El, El Chapo. Chapo had a tunnel that could fit a train through it. I guarantee you that there were people in the Border Patrol who absolutely knew that was happening, and they looked and listened the other way when a literal tunnel was being dug under them. They knew that was happening, and you can't convince me otherwise. Ending the war on drugs greatly disempowers uh, those cartels, 
and makes us all safer, not just on this side of the border, but on the other sides as well. And, and now, remember, remember, uh, one of, it's either one of the, if not the largest donors to terrorist organizations is drug cartels. Yeah. The only way to get rid of drug cartels is to legalize here because mm -hmm. it cuts off their money and they will no longer be able to send money over to terrorist organizations. Yep, exactly. Really, it's the most conservative thing to do is to legalize all drugs. Exactly. By the way, shout out to uh, Explodey over on Float who sent us $2 worth of crypto. You too can do that if you go to float.app, float.app slash Media. And you can leave us a tip there as well. Thank you so much, Explody. Uh, oh, you can also leave us a tip on YouTube now. I don't even know. Yes. How to do it, but you can. You can send us super chats. You can start sending us super chats. Send us some of that sweet, sweet YouTube money. Um, it's your money. It's just going through YouTube. It's just going through YouTube. Um, so, okay. So now we have a question from, uh, from Mr. Chris Reynolds himself. It's not often that we do, but we have a question. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds here with your AOC Millennial Minute. So uh, recently we've had a lot of battles going on all over the place, um, probably none more so than, than in the NBA, um, as you probably already are, are aware. Um, we've had teams boycott games, um, playoff games at that, um, and just kind of walk off the floor and say we're not going to play due to police violence. Uh, we've got Chris Paul, the main player representative, doing his best to make sure that every NBA player is registered to vote. I mean, all sorts of messages being sent um, for you know, social justice reform. And we have this you know, traditional conflict between, you know, do we listen to sports people um, on, on issues like this or not? But it seems like they're kind of like one of the bigger agents of change that people are listening to. So I'd love your guys' opinion on that. Thanks. I'll let you give your thoughts, and then I'm going to give mine on this. So with the NBA, they decided to can't like they decided this was again. We haven't done these in a few weeks, so uh, a couple of this story I think is two weeks old. It might be a week. Old. I don't really remember when this happened. Okay. Uh, they said that they were going to protest and cancel the rest of the postseason because of the police violence and the Black Lives Matter movement and all of the social justice changes that were going on, um, which are still going on, but were going on at the time. And right. so they said, we're going to cancel. So what the NBA owners did said, okay, that's fine. Which charity do you want us to donate the rest of your salary to? And they said oh, no, we want that. And they said, no, you're not getting it. And they said, oh, well, then we'll play. So whenever they're talking about, oh, we're going to do this for change, we're going to do this for change, no, they aren't. Because they had a chance to make the largest amount of change in that moment. Because these organizations would have gotten tons of money. That would have been a lot of money, yeah. A lot of money. Yep. And they decided, no, uh, we want that money. So you we'll just play. We'll just play and we'll just talk about it. Now, yes, is Chris fine. is right. Yeah. Right. Chris is, Chris is right. These people have one of the largest platforms for change. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to say that LeBron James, who I don't agree with on a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. don't, don't like the guy a whole lot, never have. 
Um, to say that LeBron James is less qualified to talk about this stuff than me, a guy who was working at a kava bar when he started this show, doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so whether or not you agree with him doesn't mean that he isn't going to try, he shouldn't be allowed to try to enact change. That is truly up to the Lakers and the NBA. Yeah. When, so there's two questions here. One is of the whole not playing thing and one is of the giving their, their opinion thing. Obviously, if you don't play, you don't get paid. That seems to make perfect sense unless their contract says otherwise. If you don't play, you don't get paid. Uh, like you said, they had a perfect opportunity to give up all their salaries. Uh, major statement being made there and also a major donation being made there. Huge impact happening in, ma- in many different ways. They chose not to do it. It's their right. Uh, when it comes to this whole shut up and play sports or shut up and be a, an actor or whatever, almost without fail, the people who say that stuff, when an actor or sports team member or musician or entertainer or whatever says something they agree with, suddenly they aren't saying that anymore. Right. Because they aren't saying shut up and play ball. They're saying shut up, I don't want to hear your opinion that differs from mine. Right. And I otherwise like you, so I'd like to continue enjoying you without having to hear your opinion. Well, here's a very powerful thing. You don't have to listen to their opinion, and you can just continue to enjoy their sports and their movies. And if they start talking politics, you're able to just not listen to them. Just... Just, just as you are able to turn us off, you can turn them off. Just literally off. turn them off. You do not have to. No one is making you listen to them. Like the very second, you can have your hand on the mute, and the very second they start, you can mute it and go on to whatever other thing you were going to watch other, uh, either. Historically, entertainment and sports have been highly, highly political. This has never not been the case. This is like when the people get mad that comic books are pushing political narratives. Comic books were written to push political narratives. Always. They have always existed as a political statement. The X-Men is a statement about racism. Like all of these things are statements about these things. Star Wars was a statement against fascism and imperialism. Like all of this is literally, these are all allegories for uh, uh, culture things, which again, whether you agree with them or disagree with them, they've always been that. It's nothing new. You're just now often old enough to like get it. When you were a kid, you didn't. It just intuitively made sense to you and helped shape who you are as a person. So you can thank them for it. Um, when it comes to sports and entertainment, they're free to say what they want. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to disagree. This whole, you're not qualified to talk about something because you're in sports or you're an entertainer. What you are saying is, I only want politicians and policymakers to be able to give opinions on things. Guess who that leaves out? You. Yeah. It leaves you out. And also, again, it's not what you really mean. You don't want people who disagree with you to talk because you don't like it. And it often makes you experience cognitive dissonance. And you don't like that when you're trying to enjoy my sports ball. Here's a political statement. 
having a giant American flag draped across the uh, football field while military jets fly over it and you sing the government anthem. That is an inherently political statement. If you like it, that's fine. If you don't like it, that's also fine. If you think everyone should have to stand up during it, that's fine. If you think everyone should kneel down to protest racial injustice, that's also fine. If you want to burn a flag while you're at home while it happens, also fine. Totally your right. Make sure it's your flag. And, you know, don't start a fire. So tonight is opening night of the NFL. So opening day, opening night. Okay. The Chiefs playing. I'm not sure who they're playing. Okay. But this, I know for the entire, for the first week, I don't know about it for the entire season or not, the NFL is going massively social justice. They're going to have like uh, Black Lives Matter uh, plastered everywhere mm-hmm. in, in one end zone and the other end zone as, as opposed to the teams. Um, on the helmets, you get to choose between different uh, BLM slogans or people who were uh, murdered by police. And most of the NFL's base doesn't like this at all. And they are saying they aren't going to watch. Okay. And this, and this could, it's not going to kill the NFL. The it's NFL's not going to kill the NFL, but they may be negatively affected. And that's fine. If a large group of people say we don't, it's actually a perfect example of what we're talking about. You don't want to watch it? Don't Don't watch it. it. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. Years ago, years ago when uh, Barack Obama was running 2008, right? Yeah, 2008. Mm -hmm. um, He had a 45 minute spot on ABC. And many, many of my friends at the time were all. They were all on the bandwagon for McCain. I voted Libertarian that year for Bob Barr, which was like voting for McCain, but (laughs) I felt he was slightly more conservative. You tried your best. Right. I mean, McCain, Obama, Bob Barr. Um, Screw it. Right. So they said, uh, we're going to boycott. We're going to boycott ABC. And I said, I don't think you understand what the word boycott means. Yeah. And they asked me, what do you mean? And I said, well, if you're boycotting ABC, you have to boycott their parent company, which is Disney. So let's take a look at Disney. And now you have to boycott everything that Disney owns. Mm-hmm. And I found a list of every company that Disney owned <laughs> and I shared it. And I said, no more ESPN, no more ESPN2, no more Disney, yes. no more yep. Pixar, no more ABC, no more Touchstone, no more Miramax, because they were still owned by them at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, no more. And I just went through everything. And I said, you can't watch any of this. Good luck. And they said, like, and then they responded with, well, we meant, like, let's just not watch it. And I said, okay. That's not a boycott. That's, that's just not, not a boycott. Watching that's it. just not and watching it. That's fine. You can do that. But that's yep. not a boycott. Yeah. And if people want to boycott the NFL and not do anything NFL related, and if they want to make very proud, stunning, and brave videos where they burn their own NFL jerseys that they just bought because that helped, that'll show them. That'll show them. Uh, Then do it. Then do it. You are free to do that. And if enough people express their disapproval at it, then the NFL might change their decision or they may not. Either way, everyone is engaging in free speech there, and that's okay. And if it makes you uncomfortable, that's also okay. You're free to feel uncomfortable. People often feel uncomfortable when different disparities of, of ideas are introduced and, and discussed. That's okay, too. These are all fine. No one is entitled to make you feel comfortable about your opinions. 
And this is what we've been conditioned since we were little kids to believe. That, you know, it's why people go, you shouldn't talk politics or religion. Why? It was why? That, so it was that kind of thinking that got us to where we are today. Exactly. Because a bunch of people only talked in their echo chambers and their opinions got more and more incestuous and, incestuous and inbred. And then they go share it with the rest of the people. And the rest of the people who also were keeping their opinions incestuous and inbred would then share their opinion. And now everyone hated each other instead of right. talking because, it out. Especially because at that point, it was no longer an opinion. Now it was a belief system. Yeah, it was a belief that, system. Then yep. it became a warring religion kind of thing. And mm -hmm. we continued to do that. Even with the internet, you see it. People in our, we'll use our group as an example. Here. Yeah. People yeah. in the Muddied Waters group. We all have the same mindset for General, the most yeah, part. Yeah, Generally, yeah. for the most part. People might be a little bit more right libertarian. People might be a little bit more left libertarian. But mm -hmm. for the most part, we're all on the same page of what we want. If you take some of the stuff that we say in that group and say go to uh, being liberal, being – what's that page? Being Democrat? Being liberal. Being, being liberal. Yeah. And you take that there, they have been in that group in their echo chamber yep, yep. and they will attempt to roast you. I say attempt because they won't do a good job. <laughs> they won't now, do a good job. They will not do a good they job. Will not. They'll, They'll do as good out. of a job as the Trump boomers do, which is not, right, which is not, not and though. then same thing. You can take it to a Trump boomers group, which I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. Um, Donald Trump 2020. It's my favorite one. That's a probably a great one to go to. Um, All caps. But, all caps, of course. Of course. Remember when we were going to do uh, the Daily Boomer? Oh, gosh. But then you started doing the VP thing. And oh, it was kinda... man. Yeah, we were going to come up with a, basically a clickbait thing that would just, like, you know, confirm. It would just be a confirmation bias website that would say nothing but things Trumpers like and, like, make up fake yep. news that Trumpers would like just to get shares. But we were scared that we would end up profiting on sharing bad false yeah, bad ideas and that and that we would become a would become famous for becoming rich off of bad boomer memes and, and news content and b that we'd actually have people citing us as real and yeah. then how like we'd have to put our heads on pillows at night and think about what we did to <laughs> him, political discourse but we would have been rich we yeah we would have been so and the fact that we didn't do it is a testament to our character because we would have been Mega, mega rich from that. We man, there would have been maga hats everywhere. Oh gosh, it would everywhere. have been, and we and would, would have had to play the role too. The money, but I also would have been like, man, I feel dirty. We had we oh, it would have. I couldn't have. I would have had to like. I, I there's no way I could have lived with myself with that. I I but and we would have had to play the role too. We'd have to go out with the maga hats on and be like, yeah, suck it, liberals. You mad yet? Are you crying? Like we would have had to do the whole thing. Those liberal, those liberal the, tears. Those liberal tears I smell. I could smell them a mile away because I'm an alpha male. Like we'd have to do the whole thing. Um, so yeah, it's it's it is uh, it is okay to hear things that you don't agree with, and it's okay for people to share stuff you don't like, and you don't have to like it. You don't have to think it's okay. You can just completely disagree, and they can disagree with you, and that's also fine. I was out the other night. I guess this was probably two weeks ago. And um, I was out and I was talking to this uh, young lady that hangs out at one of the copy bars that I go to. And we were bashing Biden. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I did not know where she was on the, on the political spectrum. Okay. I knew she wasn't Republican. I knew that. Outside of that, I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but she was bashing Biden. We started talking. She was a Green Party member, and she was making calls for Howard. Oh, okay. Right. And she, when she said that, you, I saw it. Like, she kind of tensed up, like, okay, here we go. We're going to start, you know, we're going to start sparring. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's awesome. You care about a third-party candidate enough to volunteer and do this? Exactly. Do it. Do it. And we, she was like, oh, that was not what I was expecting. And we started talking. <laughs> I was like, you know, I get it. Like, if you care about this, do it. You're going to get so much pushback. I know what it's like. You're going to yep. get so much pushback yep. on yep. this. Yep. Yep. Of people saying, well, why aren't they running as Republican? Or why aren't they running as Democrat? Or, yep. you know, whatever. You're taking and, votes from Biden. Right. You're taking votes from Biden. You're, You're going to make Trump Biden. win. You're going to make Trump win. Right. We had a good... We had a good discussion. I was about to throw in an extra adjective and I decided not to. Um, but we had, we had a good discussion about it. And at the end, she thanked me for not being uh, attacking, for not right. attacking. Yep. And yep. That is what happens when you have these conversations. Everybody said, don't do it, don't have these conversations. Truth you of the matter is, you to. need to have you them. You have to have these conversations, you have to have them. It's the only because way people are going to get used to it. It's the only way that we're going to be able to actually have differences of opinions get shared. We have to do it. Now, do we have to scream at each other? No, we can do it in a respectful way. So it's not don't talk about politics. It's don't scream past each other about politics. Listen to what people have to say. Get their opinion on stuff. Guess what? We aren't all, you know, I, I don't, I've long since given up on pretending that I know every single thing. I listen to what people have to say because they might have a good point that I haven't heard before. And why would I deny myself the potential of getting a good point? Or if their points are all terrible, then how better for me to disabuse them of those notions if I've been able to, you know, show them that I actually care and that I'm listening to what they have to say and we can actually have a productive conversation and at least plant some seeds there. So anyway, and on that note... Uh, this next question, I think, might be in the same uh, thing. It's from Alex Boyer, uh, who's asking about lib left versus lib right. So this may actually be what we're talking about here. Hello, hello. Alex from Virginia calling in to the Chris Reynolds personal injury attorney, attorney at law, anchor call in line. And I have a question for Mr. Matt Guy on left, right, and Spike Genuwater into Wine Cohen. Whoa. Jesus was a Jew. So that. Genu water into wine. So, Alex, I know you're watching. I said genuine multiple weeks ago. Which is funny. Which is, yeah. That beats it. That is on a completely different level. That, Genu water into wine. That was really good. That was That's really good. Possibly as good as Burning Bushwick Bill. Yeah, no, that wow. one, that one, that one was good. That's good. That was good. That was good. Anyway, I'm sorry. I mean, here's your question. More of a Christian as opposed to the Jewish thing, but you know, whatever. Like, I'm not going to knock him on it. Jesus was Jewish, him. though. 
<laughs> Jesus, what? Jesus, what he even said at the end there. I don't know if you heard it, but he said at the end there. Yeah. So that it kind of works. Just wrong. Jesus was a Jew. So that it kind of works. It kind of works. It is because he was. It does. I mean, it kind of works. Capitalist. I listen to what they have to say. And I empathize with their concerns. And I recognize, most importantly, that we agree on almost everything. The breakdowns that we have, where we disagree, are important things. But when you remove the coercive nature of the state, when you remove government force, we're no longer talking about systems that we're going to impose on each other. We're talking about what we would prefer our voluntary societies to look like. In an, a libertarian society, absent mm -hmm. government coercion, so either there's no government or there's just a minimal government that's only serving to protect the lives and rights and properties of the people, in that kind of situation, you can have a voluntary commune over here. We can have voluntary... Uh, and when I say over here, it doesn't even have to be in a physical location. You can choose, you know, with the, with the Internet, you can do things, you know, we have online communities now. You can have a, a, a community across the spectrum, uh, across the board in all different geographies that is engaging in voluntary collectivization of, 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 the, of the people and the, the property and the assets that they are choosing to collectivize. You are free to do that. I and others are free to do something else entirely. We're free to change our minds. I might decide your way works better. Or I may decide to participate in your thing in certain ways and not participate in other ways. And you may choose the same thing. We may find that there's a completely different uh, uh, economic model that's going to be so much more innovative than anything we can e even think of now once we're no longer at each other's throats. Here's where the fighting comes in. Number one, and I see this time and time again, we are bringing in our old statist baggage on the left and the right. We come into this movement. We recognize that state force is bad. We recognize that we want to work towards a libertarian future. But we are still consuming primarily left-leaning or primarily right-leaning media, which leads us to have bad presuppositions and bad prejudices about people on the other side because that media is crafted to make people on the left hate people on the right and to make people on the right hate people on the left and to make people in the center hate everybody. And this is what we have. So now you come in and you're still consuming primarily left-leaning media or primarily right-leaning media you are listening to right-leaning agitators or left-leaning agitators who are looking at the worst examples of behavior from people on the other side and saying, "Look at these right liberal, look at these right right-wingers and how terrible they are." And then the people on the right go, "Look at these left-wingers and how terrible they are." And they're giving specific anecdotal examples of people being jerks. And we allow that to consume our confirmation bias so that we continue to go, yeah, look at all those liberals out there. Oh, look at all those conservatives out there. And we need to keep them out of our movement. Well, our movement involves all of us, and we would all do well to not to, at the same time that we are, are disabusing ourselves of our status bugaboos, also start disabusing ourselves of that left versus right rhetoric that the Republicans and Democrats have been using to keep people on the left and people on on the right divided and to put them into separate camps and instead recognize that often we agree on almost everything and if we stop looking at the worst examples 
of the people on that side and instead look to the best examples of it. And if instead of looking on for the things that divide us the most, we look instead at the vast majority of things that unite us, and it is a thing that has to be done in good faith even as other people on the other side continue to do the bad things, continue to engage in confirmation bias. We as individuals have to be the ones working together to do, the, to do things in good faith despite the bad actions of people on either side. That's the only way to bring them in. We cannot wait for everyone to be on the same page with this. We have to forge ahead, and we have to create those, those unifications. The other thing is we have to look at each other's definitions. For example, capitalism. When people on the left use the term capitalism, they are using its original Marxist definition that was coined by Engels, who was a Marxist, and used by Marx as well. Their definition of capitalism was the exact system we are in right now. A system whereby powerful people use the leverage and power of government to enforce their claims to capital and to wealth and to property that they can impose on others in order to extract their labor. That is the system we have right now. When we as anarcho-capitalists and, and libertarian capitalists talk about capitalism, we are talking about a repurposed term that we have used to describe a system whereby all of those infringing and tyrannical uh, uh, um, uh, policies are removed and the power and the money and the wealth is given back and, 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 and decentralized into the people and all of those coercive entities are removed and now we are choosing in a market and a people set free to cooperate and to associate and disassociate with each other as we wish using currency uh, and capital as the, as the medium for exchange. We are not talking about the same thing. So when I hear someone on the left say, the problem is capitalism, I go... Yeah, the problem is this system. When I hear someone on the right go, you know, capitalism would fix this. I go, yeah, setting people in markets free would fix this because I know the definitions they're using. And in order to do that, we have to look at people in good faith and ask them what their terms mean to them and research what their terms mean to them because we are often using different terms to describe the same things and the same things to describe different things, to same terms to describe different things. So those two things, disagreements on terminology and us you know, still using the left-right media narrative uh, to, to form our opinions about others. Stopping doing that and instead meeting each other in good faith and listening to what they have to say is how we end this divide, not just on the libertarian left and on the libertarian right, but across the country and across the planet. For anybody who uh, lost us there, that was a problem with our streaming software. Uh, we dropped out, but uh, you should you should be back. Uh, I think did they lose us? Because I don't yeah. see any dropped any dropped frames. It wasn't dropped frames. It was a restream disconnected us from all four, and then immediately reconnected us. Yeah. So That's we're we're horrifying. gonna be fine on the streaming. Okay. But restream dropped us from all. I watched it. I saw it as it happened. Um, but as, so okay. if anybody out there is still having issues, if you can hear us, don't know how you would, uh, refresh and we should be there. Okay. All right. Well, it looks like it's, it's back. Yeah. Um, uh, so here is this last question from Miles Jomay Walsh. I think I'm saying his, his middle name correctly. 
Hello, Spike and Matt. I have three questions for you. Many libertarian and liberty-leading conservatives say that they wouldn't vote for Jorgensen, instead vote for Trump, because although they don't like him, he is the last bastion against Joe Biden's socialism. They say that he's a puppet of the left. There is some truth to this, as his policies have gone more left in order to appease progressives. Why should they vote for Jorgensen instead of Trump, even though they think he's the last barrier against socialism? Also, who do you think would win a no-weapons death match between Biden, Jorgensen, and Trump? I also ask the same questions for you, Spike, Pence, and Kamala. Three enter. Only one leaves each match. Thanks for taking my message. From Miles. Is Miles the one that asked about the soup? No. Uh, oh, gosh, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, I think he was the one. So, Miles, uh, that's a great question. I'll, uh, I'll let you start with this one. So for anybody, Miles, for anybody who's out there who's saying um, Trump is the last great bastion. Last bastion. Uh, point to him that spending under Trump grew $984 billion before the coronavirus uh, that that was more than Barack Obama in his last fiscal year. Uh, and the government was on course in 2020 to cough up $4.79 trillion, uh, trillion 2.98 of it going toward Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, et cetera, $1.44 trillion to discretionary and $380 billion in interest. Trump is not the last great bastion against socialism. If anything, he is just the next step towards it. Yep. And he people, may get us there slightly, slightly, slightly slower, but at the way everything's looking now, no. He's getting us there not. just as quickly. Yeah, just as quickly, if not quick. And what people say is, well, yeah, but Joe Biden will be worse. Yes, he will. Donald Trump's second term will also be worse. And whoever comes after him, whatever Republican comes after him, will be worse with each term. Because every single election cycle that the American people throw their vote away for Republicans, it will get worse and worse and worse and worse. The abuse will continue until morale improves or you stop throwing your vote away and vote Libertarian or Green Party or Constitution Party or whatever. Vote to end this system, this Republican duopoly system, whereby... The same group of people pretend to have two sides and keep everyone at war with each other to distract from the fact that they're all working together to screw you over. Now, who would win in a battle between uh, Joe Jorgensen, Joe Biden, and Donald Trump? Joe Biden. No weapons battle. No weapons battle. Joe Biden is crumbling in front of our eyes. Right. Donald Trump apparently is increasingly crumbling in front of our eyes. Uh, the most recent health report that we have from him is that he has all of the major health problems, heart disease and high cholesterol and obesity and everything that is very common in people in their 70s. Uh, he is morbidly obese, uh, and, uh, and uh, I don't think his heart rate's very good. Uh, he seemed to have a difficult time going down uh, a ramp or stairs, but he claims that it was slippery. I don't know. I know that they are two very old men who are kind of falling apart in front of us, which, I mean, let's be clear, people in their mid to late 70s often begin to decline. Joe Jorgensen, she's in her 60s. She just played a hockey game in Alaska. She just played a, a pickup hockey game in Alaska, and she's like 6'1". Yeah, she's tall. 
She's a she's a tall woman, and mm-hmm. she played a game of hockey. I take Joe Jorgensen. I go with Joe. I think Joe will whoop both of them because she's younger. She's in better shape. She's not a small person. And uh, I think the two of them are crumbling. I don't think it would have to be much of a fight. I think they'd fall over. I can't, I can't, I can't give that to, uh, I can't give that to Joe. Really? I think, yeah. I mean, I, th- and not because if it was a fair fight, yeah. But Trump would, Trump would cheat. Biden will forget where he is. So Biden's going to be I, out. But I, Trump, I, Trump, Trump will figure out a way to cheat. Assuming he can't find a way to cheat, I go with Joe. If he can find a way to cheat, then it's a whole other thing. And if, and if the only rule is no weapons, there is a way to cheat there somehow. I was going to go into a whole other thing that I'm choosing not to do right now. But assuming that there were a way to prevent anyone from doing anything that isn't just, you know, no holds barred, uh, bare knuckle, I, I go with Joe. I go with Joe, again, for the longevity, too. Because even if he got the upper hand... You know, he starts having some issues, you know, with the old ticker and his and his breath control. She just played a hockey game. I mean, she could technically just jog around him until he's done. Um, Between me and Mike Pence and Kamala Harris, again, no weapons. And I don't consider myself a fighter. I am the youngest. Uh, I am spry like a chicken. And uh, I have really good balance, I learned on my bus tour. I, I feel like that has to be in my favor. Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I really don't favor uh, hitting people or fighting people unless it's uh, you know in defense. I certainly don't favor proposing beating up people that have Secret Service protection. Uh, so there's that as well. Um, I, I, I don't. I, and, you know, and I'm I, not going to lie. Kamala Harris would whoop you. You really think so? I really think she would. See, now I feel I, like we have to do a celebrity boxing charity tournament just to prove you wrong. Just I really to prove think, you wrong. I really think that she would take you in a fight. I don't. I think that she would she quickly would, go to her knees and just take you down. Really? <laughs> I. Hey, thanks for that question, Miles. Um, you too can ask questions that Matt will do that too. Uh, if you uh, go to uh, anchor.fm slash muddy waters media, muddy waters, just slash muddy waters. Anchor.fm slash muddy waters. Muddy waters. You can leave us your very own question for Spike to answer stuff. seriously and for me to throw in that sardonic barbs. Sardonic you can also you donate can also to donate. us. So, you can also donate to us there, uh, and you can also donate to us on YouTube and Float. So this, our final segment, is horrifying. <laughs> I have no pithy, witty comment. This is yeah. horrifying. Just tell them about it, Matt. So Pasco County, Florida, which is that way, um, just a little bit up north, um, not far, like literally the next county up from me. Um, there is a program which launched in 2011 
that was touted as having the ability to stop crime before it started. Many of you might remember the movie Minority Report. I've, I've seen this movie before. Yeah, doesn't end well. Um, we aren't there with that yet, but we're getting there. Um, what this system actually is, is they take repeat offenders and then they harass the ever-living crap out of them after they have been released and once they're off of probation doing random checkups, coming in the middle of the night to make sure that they aren't doing anything illegal. Um, so guilty until presumed innocent, basically. Right. Even when they haven't done Right. Even when it's not they're being arrested for a crime, they're just checking to see if a crime is being committed by these people. Um, the sheriff's office generates lists of people it considers likely to break the law based on arrest histories, unspecified intelligence, and arbitrary decisions by police analysts who are civilian police analysts. Hey, I uh, wonder who that disproportionately affects. Actually, no. Really? No. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, I was thinking that when I was reading the article. No, it doesn't. It's pretty even across the board. Okay. So at least, at least there's that. Um, <laughs> at least it's not racist. <laughs> at least it's not racist. Um, so the deputies will go out and interrogate anyone whose name appears, often without probable cause, a search warrant, or evidence of a specific crime. Mm -hmm. Now, according to the Tampa Bay Times, uh, which the link for that should be in the in the uh, notes down there. Um, they swarm homes in the middle of the night, waking families and embarrassing people in front of their neighbors. They write tickets for missing mailbox numbers yep. and overgrown yep. grass, yep. saddling residents with court dates and fines. They come again and again, making arrests for any reason that they can. One of the former, former deputies for Pasco uh, described it as like this make their lives miserable until they move or sue. So it's a system of state harassment of people who have been, who have served their time and done their, done their time for various crimes. Since 2011, a thousand people have been locked up because of this. Um, one in 10 under the age of 18. Oh, good. So it's targeting minors. Good. It is targeting minors. Um, one of the teenage targets the mother, uh, his mother got a $2,500 fine because she had five chickens in her backyard as opposed to the four, I believe, you're allowed to have in Pasco. Um, they arrested another target's father after peering through a window in his house and noticing a 17-year-old friend of his son smoking a cigarette. Um, deputies feed this information into the system, not just on the people that they target, but everybody at the house at the time. Yeah, so this is systemic criminalization of entire communities of people for the right. stupidest of things, but it's now a criminal record. It's now on your record. Makes right. your now life harder. Um, there's one, I think I put it in the notes later, but this, they got a guy because they went to check on his son and they cited the dad who had to appear in court uh, for he had the house numbers on the house, but from where they were standing on the road, the uh, the lamp outside, the, the porch lamp or patio lamp or whatever, was mm -hmm. blocking it. 
Now, if they had moved, probably could have seen all the numbers, but from where they were standing, they couldn't, so they cited them. So they're um, going after kids who have a criminal record, and when they aren't doing anything wrong, they go after their parents, because they want their parents to kick them out of the county, send them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. Um, oh, that was and this is being sold to the, to the, the Tampa Bay voters that uh, uh, it's being sold to the voters as we're going to get rid of those kind of people, make them leave. We're going to make life hard for them until they leave. Yep. That's, that's the entire, that's the entire thing of yep. this, uh, of this program. Yep. Um, and a lot of places have done things like this. Many of them are getting rid of it because they realize that it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't work. Uh, some of the largest law enforcement agencies have gotten rid of this. Gotten rid of this. Pasco has expanded it, and now they are adding people who have repeatedly been committed to psychiatric hospitals. Oh, good. So if you get help for a mental health issue, now the police are harassing you, which helps with your mental health. To yeah. have the police constantly harass you, especially if you deal with paranoia. Now, Pasco County was quick to point out that since. 2011, property, uh, property crime, right? Property crime? Yeah, property mm-hmm. crime has decreased. Now, what they... I know what, what you're going to say. I know, I know you're, you're going to say it. But the numbers coincided with other jurisdictions of the same size in the area. Because property crimes have been steadily dropping since 2011. What they failed to, also failed to mention was that violent crimes were on a rise in Pasco yeah. County where they weren't in other areas. Because the police are being made to focus on little piddly garbage and, 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 and give people a hard time instead of, you know, protecting people against murder and rape and kidnapping. Now, That's all. There was a story of a guy named Matthew who I obviously took to immediately. Um, but... The department has been defending uh, the program ever since its inception. Um, Matthew, when he was 15 years old, he got into some trouble. Uh, He got arrested a couple of times. He went through some program. It was like a rehabilitation program, not rehab, but some sort of rehabilitation program. Got out, started working at his church, uh, was doing a whole bunch of uh, stuff to make make his life better, get on the right track, but he kept right. getting checked on. Police kept showing up to his house because he wasn't taken out of that list. So they kept coming to his house, making sure that whatever he was doing was legal, blah, blah, blah. Um, he went to his, I want to make sure that I, Department of Juvenile Justice, so basically his minor PO, yeah, uh, yeah. there said, I'm having suicidal thoughts. I think they're going to find something really small that I didn't know was a crime or something so and throw small him or his, and, and yeah. throw me back in jail. Yeah. Or his family, because we've seen or that happen. Now. Right. Yeah. Or his family. The police had access to this, knew that part, still kept going back, yeah. saying he was a repeat offender, even though he hadn't offended at this point in two or three years. Matthew overdosed on pain pills that he was giving when he had his, I believe it was his tonsils out. Yep. The police said it would be irresponsible to blame Matthew's death on its program. It said the program is based on crime data alone in Matthew qualified. Which is no different. That, that doesn't mean they're not responsible. They're just, you'll notice what, what they said there. We're not responsible. 
what we did followed our, our orders. Okay, that doesn't mean you're not responsible. It means that you did what you were ordered to do. Right. You could still be responsible. This is similar to the people that responded to the Breonna Taylor killing. Well, those officers were just doing their job. Yeah, that's the problem. They shouldn't have done that. And the program right. needs to end. But at the same time, if you are ordered to break into someone's house, maybe don't do it. Maybe don't do it. If you're ordered how many... to break into someone's house unannounced, wearing clean clothes, don't do that, maybe. Just don't. Don't. Just I don't maybe. know how Just many don't do people out here have seen the movie A Few Good Men. Great movie. Love it. Jack Nicholson is electrifying in that movie. Yes. Um, just fantastic. In it, I'm going to spoil the crap out of it for you too, because um, I have to, uh, in order to make my point. In it, two, uh, two Marines are charged with the crime of killing a guy named Santiago. Uh, and the question is whether or not Jack Nicholson ordered the code red, which he wasn't, the Santiago wasn't falling in line. So did Jack Nicholson say, okay, I need you to kill this guy in order because he's just never going to be there. That's what the whole movie is about. Mm -hmm. Jack Nicholson gives an electrifying speech at the end that's so good, I have it memorized to this day. Um, I'm not going to do it. But... Yeah, we don't need a copyright strike, Matt. I don't think I can get a copyright strike on this. Um, we aren't showing it, so it's fine. That's true. Um, if I just do it, it's okay. Okay. But... Um, at the end of the movie, the two Marines are still found guilty because they should have said no to the order. They should have known better is sort of the entire thing. And that is what all of these police should be doing. They should know better. They should know that no-knock raids are dangerous and cost too many lives. Yep. They should know that this program in Pasco is terrifying. And that they are now harassing people who, many of whom are attempting to get their lives back on track. Yep. And you are creating criminals by doing You are creating criminals, you're making their lives harder, and you are citing them for things that every one of us does every single day, at, like having a porch light that you might be standing at an angle where you don't see the wording behind it. That was one of the things that someone got in trouble for. Here is what you can do if you so choose. When you are confronted by a police officer, be kind, be courteous, and say, I don't answer questions. I want my attorney. Hi, officer. I'm doing great. I don't answer questions. In fact, you don't even have to say I'm doing great. Hi, officer. I don't answer questions. I would like to speak with my attorney. If they tell you that they have a warrant, I would like to speak to my attorney. I guess the only thing that you could say otherwise is if they're trying to come to your home without a warrant, say, do you have a warrant? Come back with a warrant. Or don't come back. You could just say, don't come back without a warrant. If they say anything else, say, don't come back without a warrant. If they ask you questions, say, I don't answer questions. Don't come back without a warrant. If they have a warrant, or if they're pulling you over, or if you're out in public, I don't answer questions. I would like to speak with my attorney. If everyone did that, they would have to focus their resources on people that they actually suspected of committing a crime, an actual crime that had an actual victim. If every single person 
did that, they would not be able to go around harassing people because they'd have no ammunition with which to do it. You don't have a warrant. Get off my property. You do not have a warrant. I'm in public or I'm being pulled over. I do not have answers to your questions. I would like to speak with an attorney. That is what we can do as a, as a buttress against this. The other thing we can do is stop throwing our vote away for the people who empowered them with those policies and made it so that police officers either have to or get to, depending on which way you look at it, do this to us instead of protecting our lives, rights, and property, which is what the concept of policing was supposed to be or what we would like it to be. You can advocate for community-based policing. You can advocate for police officers not responding to things that are not a direct threat to people and instead of having healthcare professionals uh, or first responders or even no one. Because if someone calls 911 and says uh, someone's grass is overgrown, maybe no one has to come out because it's grass. That's the kind of stuff we can advocate for and change at the electoral level and at the interaction with police level. I don't answer. I, if they're on your property... They don't have a warrant, tell them leave, don't come back without a warrant. If they do have a warrant, tell them that you don't answer questions and that you want to speak with an attorney. You will have to let them search your property because they have a warrant. But shut up. Don't say anything to them. They ask you questions. I do not answer questions. I would like to speak with an attorney. If you are out in public or being pulled over, I do not answer questions. I would like to speak with an attorney. These are powerful ways to keep you protected the best way that they can. Here's another way you can protect yourself. Vote for me and Joe Jorgensen. And we just got back, or I just got back from the first leg of my bus tour across the country. Uh, I was in 17 different cities and and traveled across uh, over 20 states. Uh, I started in Cincinnati, Ohio back on August 19th, uh, and I finished uh, in, um, I finished, uh, what, uh, two days ago, September 7th, um, and I had an absolute awesome time, uh, met so many people across the country, uh, everyday Americans, and I kept hearing the same thing over and over again. Uh, I don't like what's happening in government. I don't like what is you know being done to us, and I want more control of my life. I want to have my power back, and we said, that's great. We actually want to give you your power back. We want to uh, empower you by giving you your power and your freedom and your money back and removing the barriers and burdens uh, that have been imposed upon you by, the, uh, by the, 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 the increasingly militarized police state that the Republicans and Democrats have created. And, uh, and it was incredible. We had a great turnout. Um, and uh, I got to meet lots of people's pets because I did ask everyone uh, to, um, to bring their pets out. Uh, and everyone did that. I was very, very grateful for that. Um, here's the bus, by the way, really cool bus. And, uh, and so I will be, uh, now I will be, uh, very soon, uh, later this month, I will be doing a Northeast tour, uh, not on the bus, uh, cause Joe has the bus. I will be doing a tour of, uh, New York and New England dates coming very soon. Uh, so stay tuned for that. If you live in the Northeast or anywhere near it, I'd love to have you come out. Um, and then after that, uh, I will be uh, doing a shortly after that. I will be starting the second leg of my bus tour, uh, and that all of the dates uh, and times for that will be coming out very soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, and it was just uh, absolutely uh, went incredibly well. I'm so honored. I'd like to thank uh, all the people involved uh, on the tour. Uh, Matt Hicks, my my manager, 
uh, Desiree Lindsay, uh, who is the uh, the person that manages the um, uh, the person that manages the uh, the events. I'd like to thank uh, LaQuinn, my body man and friend. I'd like to thank um, who else? Anthony Welty, uh, who was involved, uh, who was actually on the bus. Uh, the great Anthony Welty was on the bus doing advanced planning stuff. I'd like to thank Adam Petty. Um, I would like to thank our bus uh, Adam Petty, who is incredible and did incredible work, jumped through hoops, uh, often was having to deal with uh, you know things that happened last minute and stuff like that. He was great in every aspect. I'd like to thank my wife for joining us. I'd like to thank Matt Crum, uh, who did the um, uh, who did the videography of the event. We got some great videos out of it. Uh, I would like to thank Mike, the bus driver. He was great. He was a great bus driver. Um, and we uh, we love to thank everyone involved in this campaign, including you know Joe and and Steve Dosbach and everyone else who's involved in the campaign. Um, and uh, uh, I know I'm forgetting people, but I mean there were so many. Oh, and all the city managers, all the people that were involved at the city level. Uh, Adam with the the boot crew who uh, did security for many of the events. Um, and uh, everything just went amazingly, and we're going to be doing uh, even more moving forward. Um, I also have to, because I didn't get a chance to um, before I left, but I have to take a moment uh, to eulogize, I'm going to try not to cry, eulogize my, uh, well, he was my best friend. And uh, I had to, he went downhill very quickly, and I had to put him down right before the bus tour started. And his name is Axel Cohen. And uh, this is a photo of him. Uh, I love him very much. He, uh, he was a very old dog. He, we had him for 12 years, and he was already a full-grown adult with some gray hair when we got him. So he's, he was probably like 17 or something uh, before, he, uh, before he was put down. Um, earlier this year, he was diagnosed with lymphoma, uh, and it was very advanced um, because he had other health problems from being old. Uh, he was not a candidate for chemo, so we had to do... Uh, steroids and CBD oil and stuff like that to uh, to be able to treat him. Um, he did live a couple more months, and I uh, got to spend my birthday with him, got to spend 4th of July with him, got to spend a lot of time, uh, even before that, during the lockdowns, I got to spend a lot of time with him. And uh, I was hoping he would be able to stabilize a little and, and make it until I got back from the tour. Um, but instead, uh, right before, he went downhill very, very quickly. Uh, if anything, I waited probably a couple days too late before I should have done it before that. Um, but I just wanted to get every bit of time with him before I had to say goodbye to him and make uh, one of the toughest choices anyone has to make. And then I had to get on an airplane less than 24 hours later and go and do this bus tour. And um, that was difficult, but I had a lot of people around me that were very supportive. Even had some people give me condolence cards uh, on the trail for me and my wife. And, um, you know, it is, uh, it's hitting home now cause I'm actually home and, uh, I absolutely miss him and will always love him. And he was a fantastic dog and, um, was like my best friend. I know, I know dogs are different than people and I'm not, you know, doing that whole thing, but, uh, he was by my side all the time when I was here and, uh, he will be greatly, greatly missed. So rest in peace, Axel. So, so 
there's not a good segue to that. So I, I, I don't envy you trying to find one, Matt. But I was um, like, I have no idea. What there's not, there's nothing. Yeah, speaking of, you know, dead dogs or whatever. Yeah, there's nothing you can do from that. But um, so we will be returning to our regular uh, Tuesday night schedule next week. Um, and uh, and, and uh, so you'll be seeing our, our smiling faces next Tuesday. Uh, I believe over this weekend uh, we'll be having some tour dates coming up so that you'll know where I'll be and where you can meet me uh, in the next, uh, the next, uh, next few weeks. Um, you should be, have that uh, in the next few days, uh, knowing what, what my next uh, month or so of, of, uh, of uh, campaigning is going to look like and if I'll be in your area. Um, but in the meantime, have a great weekend, and we will see you again next Tuesday uh, for the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I parse through the week's events like the sweet cherub summer cherub swimmer boys that we are. Matt, if someone were looking for us on the internet, is that possible? And if so, how would they do that? It is, in fact, possible. Um, if you want to hear the sweet, buttery goodness of our voices... I'm back on my on my microphone. I haven't had this microphone in a while. And so now I can do I can do this again. With none of the distracting audio or visual aids that we throw in with it, you can follow us at anchor.fm slash muddied waters where you can also leave us messages that we will answer live on the air, as well as you can donate so we can continue to bring you this high-quality programming that you have come to know and love over the last four years. Some of you over the last four months. Um, and we and love we, you all the same. We, yeah, we love all of you. Equally. Thank you for joining us. Tell your friends. Right. And you can find this in every episode of Muddy Waters Media at muddywatersmedia.com. Dot com. And again, soon, we will be auctioning off this hat. That has I had signed. I have an idea that I'm going to pitch to you here, but you don't have to answer now. Okay. Last year we did, or not last year, but the year before that we did uh, Electageddon or Election Geddon, mm-hmm. where we did where we did the election, and we turned out to be right, like almost. I think we were 98 percent correct. Yes. Um, are we going to be doing that again? Mm. So I don't know yet because I believe the campaign is going to be doing a big watch party thing together. Mm. Um, in which case, I'm not sure. I mean, you might be at that. Fair. You might um, be at that, in which case, I guess maybe we could do like little, you know, tune in type of things. But I was going to say, if we were going to do that, that would be a great night to do the auction. Mm. But if we're not going to be able to do that, then we, we have, have to. to yeah. yeah. Right. Okay, well, we'll figure that out between now and whenever we do it. And we will let you, our amazing viewers and listeners, you will be the third to know, or fourth, because my wife will probably know so before you. Yeah. So for oh fifth, and then the kids the seventh. You will be the seventh to know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure they'll understand it, but you'll be the fifth to the seventh to know, depending on how you define it, to know who, how we're doing the hat thing. But in the meantime, I'll be wearing it, so it'll have some nice spike juices in it. 
And I've also worn that hat. So really, this has Matt and Spike juices. Yeah, all that is a Matt. That is a muddied waters of freedom worn hat. The bouquet, right? If you will, that will I come almost, from this. I hat. almost appeared on a show with it, but then I said, "Well, it doesn't have both of our autographs. I'm not going to just wear a hat with just mine." With just your, well, but it had my name on it. It did, but it's a Spike Cohen hat with a Matt Wright autograph. Which, granted, I would purchase. <laughs> However, that's fair. I feel as though it would have made much more sense to have both of our names on it. Well, and, it, oh, and now it does. It does. And everybody, I've seen so many comments uh, saying that you love the hat. Go to uh, muddiedwatersmedia.com, hit the store button, and Ooh. you can find that hat, that style hat. of hat, as well as two or three others that you can own your very self. You can uh, own it. You can own a hat with my name on it in multiple different variations. Fantastic shirt. Yep. And you if you want one patch. of these patches, nope, not that one. This one. If you want one of these patches, you have to pay Palos fifteen dollars with your address, and I will send you to muddywatersoffreedom at gmail dot com. Media at gmail dot com. At muddywatersmedia at gmail gmail dot com. Put in your address. Say you want a patch. It's one for 15. It's 15 bucks. I'm not going to do the math on that right now. On um, one Three for, for slightly less than $45, but we'll figure yeah. that out later. So, yeah. So there's plenty of merch you can get. Thank you for joining our show. Uh, and we will see you this coming Tuesday. And have a great weekend. And where we're going... We don't need ropes.